You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. author of confusion his name is Satan and he wants nothing more than to confuse God's people by questioning God's word see he hasn't changed since the garden he always wants to come to you and go has God really said that is God's word really true unfortunately Israel bought into that. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that there is an author of confusion and his name is Satan. Satan works in the church to cause divisions and problems within the church. His goal is to destroy the church. This is why unity within the church is so important. The church must stand with the Lord against the devil. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges chapter 20 as he begins his message, and so it ends. We're going to go through chapters 20 and 21 in the book of Judges. We've been going through the book of Judges now for a while. And we've come to chapters 20 and 21. And we uh, talked about how gruesome and brutal the last three chapters of Judges is. Today, we're going to be in Judges. Judges 20 and 21 is my hope to get through. And uh, we'll see what happens. So we're coming to the end of the book of Judges. And it's been a... Interesting time. And in these last two chapters, we see the results of what happened in chapter 19. The last two chapters are built upon chapter 19. You remember, as we looked at 19, we saw the depravity and the darkness that Israel had become. We saw depravity and darkness that Israel had become. They had become a nation of violence and idolatry. There was confusion. Everybody was doing what he felt was right. Everybody was going their own way. There were no rules, so to speak, because they completely disregarded the commandments of God. In other words, they basically took God's law, they basically took God's law and His word and threw it away. Put it on the shelf so it would gather dust. They didn't want to hear by it. They didn't want to obey by it. They didn't want to go by it. Israel failed to submit to the leadership of God. The purpose that God freed them from Egypt was so that he could be their God, they could be his people. He freed them so that he could have fellowship with them, lead them and guide them into a life of abundance. That was the purpose that they were released from Egypt. But they failed to submit to his leadership, and they failed to submit to his authority. Instead, they thought they had a better plan. They must have heard Frank Sinatra's record because they wanted to do it their way. Because their way was much better than God's way. God's way was too restrictive. God's way was too confining. They wanted to do what they wanted to do when they wanted to do it. 
And they didn't want to go by rules. They didn't want to go by regulations. They didn't want to go by these kind of things. And when this happens, we use the word that results from this. It's called anarchy. When there are no rules, when there are no absolutes, when everybody's doing whatever they want to do, anarchy reigns. Confusion and wild behavior. Well, if you're a student of the Bible, which I know most of you are, you know the author of confusion. His name is Satan. And he wants nothing more than to confuse God's people by questioning God's word. See, he hasn't changed since the garden. He always wants to come to you and go, has God really said that? Is God's word really true? Unfortunately, Israel bought into that. The godly way of life that they had been living had been replaced by secularism. And this is what happened to them. And look at the process by which Israel fell. Look at the process by which he fell. And we can really glean from this, folks. It began when they failed to obey God and completely drive out the inhabitants of the land. Remember back in Joshua and at the beginning of Judges? They failed to continue to drive out the inhabitants of the land. They failed to take what was rightfully theirs, to take the life that God had given them, the land that God had given them. What does it tell me? We need to drive out those things that are coming between us and God. We need to get rid of them. We need to jettison them and take complete charge over them because God has already won the victory. Christ has won the victory on the cross. Those things are gone. But we need to claim those and say, yes, they're gone. And let Christ and the Holy Spirit drive them out of our lives. So they didn't do that. They allowed the other nations to exist and coexist with them. And that's compromise. You cannot have one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. You can't walk with the world and think you're a Christian. It doesn't happen because I guarantee you'll eventually slide all the way into the world. The world is too attractive to us. It seeks to, to bolster our flesh. Our flesh loves the world because the world is give me, give me, give me, give me. Our flesh loves that. But they allowed the other nations to exist. In fact, they placed them under, under tribute. They kept them in close contact and they had close communion with them. No. The scripture says, come out from among them and be separate. Come out from among them. Don't be like them. See, my problem is when I look at the church today, sometimes I see, I don't see any difference between the church and the world. They're doing the same type of things. This is not the way of God. This is not what his word says. So they did that. Soon, when all this was happening, guess what they did? Oh, you know what that, that little Samuel's a pretty good guy. He's not bad, even though he belongs to this other tribe who's not a Hebrew. You know what? My daughter needs a husband. I'm going to give her to him. Or going into their country and saying, my son's looking for a wife. This is what's happening to Israel. They replaced their worship of the one true living God with the gods of these nations. Man-made gods. Gods of silver and gold. Molded images. False and foreign gods. They removed the one true living God from their life and they were worshiping foreign gods. They removed God as the authority and the lawgiver. There's not much left after that except anarchy and injustice. I see it happening in our beloved nation today. I see it happening in the United States as God is slowly removed. It's not too slow anymore. He's just blank removed. 
can't say a prayer at a graduation, can't say a prayer at a prayer breakfast. It's, it's, it's insane. We studied in the book of Judges how the Danites, the tribe of Dan, were the first ones to practice this sort of thing and bring idols into their being. And then the Benjamites and their immorality and a great apostasy swept through the nation. And Israel was doomed from that point. It was a sad, sad time in their history. And when we saw 19, when we looked at chapter 19, we saw the gruesome results of what had transpired all those years. The gruesome result. This Levi and his concubine were going back to their mountain home in Ephraim when they stopped for the night in Gibba. And Gibba was a part of the tribe of Benjamin. The men of Gibba had turned out to be wicked. These were supposed to be Israelites of the tribe of Benjamin, but they became as wicked as pagans. They were practicing homosexuality and it was rampant in the town. And they demanded that the Levite be sent out so they could have sex with him. But the Levite sent out his concubine instead. And the men gang raped her most of the night. In the morning she was found dead by the Levite. Oh, he gets better. Takes her back and he chops her up into 12 pieces. Dismembers her into 12 pieces and sends one to each of the tribes of Israel. Cut her body into 12 parts. He wanted to mobilize Israel to come to his defense. Tempers overheated as they often do. And once the fire was lit, it was difficult to keep it from spreading through all the nation. So the nation gathered together in chapter 20 and they wanted punishment for these men from Gibeah. They wanted punishment. And that's where we are. Let's look at verses 1 through 11 in chapter 20. We're going to take this by chunks, folks. 1 through 11. So all the children of Israel came out from Dan to Beersheba, as well as from the land of Gilead. And the congregation gathered together as one man before the Lord at Mizpah. And the leaders of all the people and all the tribes of Israel presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 foot soldiers who drew the sword. Now the children of Benjamin heard about the children of Israel had gone up to Mizpah. Then the children of Israel said, Tell us, how did this wicked deed happen? So the Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered and said, My concubine and I went to Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin, to spend the night. And men of Gibeah rose against me and surrounded the house at night because of me. They intended to kill me, but instead they ravaged my concubine so that she died. So I took hold of my concubine, cut her in pieces, and sent her throughout all the territory of the inheritance of Israel, because they committed lewdness and outrage in Israel. Look, all of you are children of Israel. Give your advice and counsel here and now. So all the people arose as one man saying, None of us will go into his tent, nor will we turn back to his house. But now, this is the thing which we will do to Gibeah. We will go up against it by lot. We will take ten men out of every hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel, a hundred out of every thousand, and a thousand out of every ten thousand, to make provisions for the people, that when they come to Gibeah in Benjamin, they may repay all the vileness that have been done in Israel. So the men of Israel were gathered against the city, unified together as one man. So, the Levite plan worked. It worked. The Levite got the results he wanted from the men all over the nation. They gathered together. Everybody was there except for the tribe of Benjamin and the people of Gabesh Galid, which we'll talk about later. The men of Israel, after hearing the Levite's story, came to a verdict and a vow. The men of Gibeah were indeed guilty and needed to be handed over to the proper authorities and allow the law of Moses to be enacted, which called for their deaths. 
You can read about that in Deuteronomy 13. Now, it's interesting, if you take a minute and go to verse, uh, and over in, in chapter 21, in verses 1 through 7, which we'll get to in a couple minutes, there is a vow that they would not give the, the other tribes their daughters in marriage. This was one of the vows. The other vow was they were going to take, take the heads of these Gibeonites. But there's several things I want to talk about here. First of all, when I read you the account that the Levi gave, did it sound like the true account? A couple things missing there. I mean, he told them what he wanted them to hear. We have a habit of doing that. We always have a habit of making our sin look a little bit less than what it really is. You notice that? We want to make sure everybody else is to blame and not us because I wouldn't do that. So he didn't, he didn't tell what really happened. He didn't tell that the men came. Yes, they did. The men wanted to have sex with him. Yes, they did. But he didn't tell that the man they were staying with offered his virgin daughter and the concubine. And then he sent his concubine out to them. And then he went to bed. He didn't tell them that, did he? No. The second thing that happens here is he's not counseling. the. He didn't say, let's go to the Lord and see what the Lord wants to do here. See, the Lord's not involved here. This is a case of revenge. Hmm. I have a scripture going through in my mind. Can you think of it? Revenge is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. I will repay. He wants to know, Israel, what are you going to do about this injustice? We always want to make our part seem less than it really is. These guys are guilty. Yes, what they did was wrong. What they did was entirely wrong and they needed to be punished. If just for the fact that they wanted to have homosexual relations, they should be punished. But for the fact that they murdered and killed this woman and gang raped her, there were specific punishments for this. You can look up at the law of Moses and it specifically talks about that. And they agreed that they were going to attack the man. Let's look from 12 to 17. Then the tribes of Israel sent men through all the tribe of Benjamin saying, What is this wickedness that has occurred among you? Now therefore, deliver up the men, the perverted men who are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and remove the evil from Israel. But the children of the Benjamin, of the ben, of children of Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. Instead, the children of Benjamin gathered together from their cities to Gibeah to go to battle against the children of Israel. And from their cities at the time, the children of Benjamin numbered 26,000 men who drew the sword, besides the inhabitants of Gibeah, who numbered 700 select men. Among all this people were 700 select men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at the hair's breadth and not miss. Now besides Benjamin, the, the, the men of Israel numbered 400,000 men who drew the sword. All of these were men of war. So, they agreed to attack the town as one man. They were of one accord. They were all like-minded. They were going to attack the town and they're going to rid it of this wickedness. All of a sudden, they began to look at the spiritual condition of the nation. All of a sudden, spirituality became important to them. And this is what should happen after a tragedy. We should always look for spirituality, but we don't. After a tragedy, we don't look for spiritualness. The tragedy brought about a mobilization and unification of the nation. They were finally together. They were of one accord. Kind of like what happened after 9-11. After 9-11, I saw this country together and of one accord like I hadn't seen it in a long, long time. 
The nation was ready. The tragedy, and it brought about a spiritual condition because you can go back and check the accounts. Churches swelled after 9-11. Many, many people went back to the Lord. Many, many people came back to the Lord. The tragedy brought people back to God. This is what happens in a tragedy. This is why when a tragedy happens, my prayer is that, that people wouldn't be thrown away from God because of the tragedy, but they would be brought to God because of the tragedy. Because he's our comfort. He's an ever-present help in time of need. He's the one that we rely on. He's the one that we go to. So many times in a tragedy, he's the last person we want to talk to. He's the last person we want to see. And you go through a tragedy, and the first thing you cut out is church. I don't want to go to church. This is, this is the place you need to be. The men went through the tribe of Benjamin as representatives, and they were looking for the guilty men. They wanted them to come forward and confess their sins, and they wanted them to come forward and do, take away this wickedness. This is very, very similar to what happened in Joshua with Ai. The sin was going to erode the nation. The men of Israel wanted to put away this evil that existed in the nation. They wanted the men of Gibeah to be punished so that the Lord could cleanse the lands once again. But the brethren from Benjamin would not admit that the men of Gibeah did anything wrong. So they didn't turn them in. This is considered an act of rebellion against God. They're rebellion against God. Unconfessed, unexposed, and unpunished sin pollutes and defiles a society. You read 2 Chronicles 7.14. Everybody wants a quote. Listen to it. You read it strong. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, and pray, then, he says, then, unexposed, unpunished sin pollutes the file society. It becomes a cancer that starts to spread. It starts to spread throughout. Interesting that there was a cancer spreading in the church of Corinth. There was a cancer spreading in the church of Corinth about this very thing. And Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians. In fact, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, which are not too far away on our list, gang, are very, very corrective letters. They're very, very corrective letters because there was a lot of crazy things happening in Corinth. And we're going to talk about that when the time comes when we get there in a little while. But he says very simply that there was some immorality in the church and it was defiling the church. And Paul was trying to get to the heart of the immorality. And he says this verse, which you know very well because you heard it. Jesus even said it himself in 1 Corinthians 5, 6. Your glory is not good. Do you not know? A little leaven leavens a whole loaf. Leaven is always representative of sin in the Bible. It always represents sin. Little leaven gets in there and it starts to grow. It's a classic picture of sin. And when we tolerate it, even a little bit of evil, it permeates the whole life of a body. You, you, you tolerate a little bit of sin in someone's life, whether it be your own life or, heaven forbid, the life of a church. When the church starts tolerating sin, we're in extreme trouble. A little leaven destroys the whole lump. It's not merely yeast. It's just a pinch of dough that's left over from the previous batch, just like when they make sourdough bread. They take a pinch of dough and they use it to make another batch. The leaven makes the dough rise. Remember when they left Egypt, the Passover. 
There was no leaven in the bread. They had to make it fast. It's an illustration of sin. And it's interesting if you go back to our study in Judges. Where is it? In verse 16, it's an interesting thing here where it says, Among this people were 700 select men who were left-handed. Every one could sling a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss. That not miss there? Sin. That's the word, sin. Miss the mark. That's what sin means, miss the mark. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What was the mark? God is the mark. God's righteousness. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have missed the mark. This little thing that they think is little can begin to fester and it can ruin an entire society. We see that happening today. We see it happening today. After Roe v. Wade in 1972, abortion is rampant. Millions upon millions of young children have been killed because of abortion. And we accept it. It's become part of everyday life. It's eroding the fabric of this nation. It's eroding away. The, the, the destruction of the family is it's, it's horrid. So, in order to beat Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, they declare war on Israel. They declare war on Israel. They're going to be the ones. See, what's happening here is a direct result of not following the word of God. It's a direct result of not following God's word, God's commandment. When we choose to go our own way, there is a way that seems right to a man. It leads to death. There's a way that seems right. Oh, this looks like the right way. This looks like the right path. Oh my, have you consulted the Lord? When we don't go God's way, the result is usually tragic. Again, we see it happening in our own country. We've left God out. We are ignoring him. We're shutting him out of our daily life as a nation. Likewise, the spiritual life of a church can be crippled and eventually destroyed when we as a congregation close our eyes on sin. There can never be unity among God's children as long as sin is covered up or ignored. It will affect the body and eventually destroy it like a cancer. As we read now, 18 through 40, we see this fight that takes place. We see this fight that takes place. Then the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God to inquire of God. They said, which of us shall go first to battle against the children of Benjamin? The Lord said, Judah first. So the children of Israel rose in the morning and encamped against Gibeah. The men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin, and the men of Israel put themselves in battle array to fight against them at Gibeah. Then the children of Benjamin came out of Gibeah, and on that day cut down to the ground 22,000 men of the Israelites. As our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Feel free to read ahead in the book of Judges and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. 
Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to pray for you as you journey through this life with Jesus. So please let us know how we can do that. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. We're so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you with each new edition of Assure Hope. But we want to encourage you to find a local church to attend regularly as well. Being a part of a body of Christ gives you a place to learn and grow with other imperfect people while providing an outlet for your unique God-given gifts. If you're in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come by Calvary Chapel Cape May. Beginning April 12th, we are moving to two services on Sundays, one at 8.30 a.m. and another at 10.30 a.m. Come join us for worship and Bible study, and we do have childcare available. For more information and to get directions, visit assurehoperadio.com. That's assurehoperadio.com. And that brings us to the end of our program for today. Thanks for tuning in to this verse-by-verse study in Judges. And join us again right here on Assure Hope.